This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Consulting, leading experts for assessing and transforming management, sales, culture, and team performance. Learn more at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. What does being an honest broker really mean, Lee? I mean, you know the definition and you've used it in your leadership skills, correct? I do because I learned it from Miss That's right. Jan, <laughs> Miss Allen. Jan Allen. That's right. Well, um, that's what we're going to talk about today with Jan. Uh, welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm Celie Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And if you're not impressed by Jan Allen, then I don't know what to tell you. I mean, hi, Jan. Thanks for coming hi. to the microphones. <laughs> uh, hello, Audrey and Lee and everyone who's listening. This is great. So everybody, Jan Allen is an executive coach and life strategist and the co-managing partner of Business of People. That's businessofpeople.net. Jan is hired by People Restless for the next level of success and ready to tackle whatever is in the way. In addition to serving in an executive role for two Ohio governors, Jan launched and led successful public affairs and public relations businesses. She's got a bachelor's degree in poli-sci, master's degree in social work, and a JD from the Moritz College of Law all from the Ohio State University, and is a graduate of the Gestalt Institute of Central Ohio's three-year postgraduate training for therapists and coach you. This woman is the authority in all things coaching. So Jan, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'd like to dive in a little bit more because this, this, this concept of being an honest broker is something that I think that everybody could benefit from. Uh, every manager that, that, that reports to leadership, um, and for that matter, every person that, re- that reports to management, I, I think, really should subscribe to the concept of being an honest broker. Tell, me, tell us more about that. Yes, Lee, I think you're absolutely right about that. The idea of being an honest broker is that whenever we're going to take information anywhere in the business, it's important that we not put just our slant on that. Now, we're human. And so we're always going to tell stories somewhat from our own point of view. But if we're really going to deal sort of the most directly and honestly in the business and not try to manage information to get the outcome that we want, then we need to be honest brokers. I first really learned about this at a very young age. Um, I was deputy chief of staff in the governor's office, and I had spent 10 years helping this person get elected governor, and he had spent 10 years helping me grow up. I like to think Hmm. of it that way because I was in my 20s when I first met him. This is the state of Ohio, right? This is the state of Ohio. Mm -hmm. And... I did a whole lot of things wrong, Lee and Audrey, in those days. But one of the things I recognized early on was that I had a lot of sway. First of all, I had access to the governor. Our, our offices were attached. And a lot of information came through me. And so I really recognized early on that that was a very privileged position and that I had to check myself to be sure that I was being an honest broker with any information. So any recommendation I made to him, even for decisions, 
to the best of my ability, I let them know who was on the other side and why. I let them know what the media fallout might be. I let them know the positives and the negatives. And I made a cogent argument for my own position, but I never withheld information or tried to slant it. At least I didn't intentionally do that or tried to slant, to slant it to get the result that I wanted. So that's what I mean by being an honest broker. And as a CEO, I rely on people like Audrey and those people that, that report to me that, that when they're sharing information with me that, you know, I don't have to go and, and verify it with two or three other people because I know that what they're, what they're giving to me is honest to, you know, to their, the best of their knowledge and uh, that you know, even though it, it may not support Audrey's agenda, point of view, she didn't really have an agenda, but, uh, you know, that she's <laughs> going to share it with me anyway. And that's like, and it's, it's that level of trust. And if, if, and for me, it's like if you're not an honest broker, then I don't have that level of trust that I need to have you advising me. Is that, uh, was that your, your experience with the governor? Oh, absolutely. And the second time I was in the governor's office, um, a couple of decades later, uh, there was actually an important person in our administration, who very smart person, who actually did manage information to get a certain result. I won't go into detail, um, but it bit us in the bottom, needless to say. Wow. Now, I will say this about where any leader sits, because as I said, we even those of us who want to be honest brokers do it to the best of our ability. We still bring our own frame of reference and maybe our own baggage even to whatever we're reporting. So it's really important for a leader to get to organizational truth. So for example, Lee, I assume you've had people come to you saying, so-and-so did such and such, and you go act on that and find out oh, that wasn't the whole story. Am uh, I right? I've oh. done it a few years ago, and then I've learned uh -huh. to verify stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's really important for a leader, and especially new managers, but I've even seen experienced managers make this mistake, to remember the, con the concept of getting to organizational truth. So yes, you want to hear, hear it from that person's point of view. That has validity. Um, but you want to hear it from several other people's points of view, too, so you can put that all together and, to the best of your ability, try to get to organizational truth. So is organizational truth different? I mean, are, are you suggesting perhaps that each individual person has their own truth and the organizational truth is the collective of that, or am I misunderstanding what you're saying here? Uh, that's exactly right. Okay. It might not be a perfect collective. As you sift through it, you may give more weight to one one story or another but even even back in my early days with the governor he would come back from his many travels and say a constituent said we did such and such why do we do it that way and um i finally said to him could you ask us first if we did it <laughs> before you assume and so that's a that's a another way of getting at organizational truth. Got to check out first. Don't just jump to solve it based on hearing it from one person. Although to your point, Lee, if you know the person's really an honest broker and you can trust that, then you can probably go ahead and act safely. I'd love to hear like kind of a simple Simon example for people who aren't familiar with the concept of a non-honest broker and what what is a simple scenario or example where this occurs and what can the repercussions be of an interaction with somebody who's putting their own spin on it and you accepting that and then acting on it? Change the names to protect the guilty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, oh my goodness. I mean, the scenarios are infinite. And I should say that some people are inadvertent dishonest brokers. Okay. Because if I'm not really self-aware and I'm not, this is why I think leaders have to actually teach and share this concept and make it an expectation of being on your team. Uh, because otherwise I think people at an unaware level can tell the story in their way without really realizing they're managing it to an outcome. Does that make some sense? Mm -hmm. There can be malicious people. The person I was speaking about, I think, I don't, I don't know if it's malice, but I think it was intentional um, that this person had a lot of information, didn't share it all because they wanted the outcome they wanted. And so I, I'm actually not going to get into the specifics of okay. some of those situations. Sounds pretty diabolical, though. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, do you think, do you think that, the, that and I don't want to get super political here, but do you think that people still subscribe? You know, people, the person in your position today, uh, governor of any state in the union or any country you know, around the world, uh, it's like that. Do they subscribe to the to the uh, concept of being an honest broker? You think, or, or are they more along the lines of uh, they want to try to the sh shade information to, to to fill an agenda these days? Well, not having done um, a survey of that, but knowing human nature, I would say that a lot of people get into positions of power to push their own agenda. That's interesting. So it requires a certain, a, a great deal of discipline, it sounds like, to actually uh, carry this through. Yes, it does. But I do think it can be helped by the leader expecting it. And maybe even saying, I want to hear your argument, but I also want to hear if there are counter arguments. I want to know what the downsides are, as well as the upsides. I want all the information, not just some of the information. So mm -hmm. I think you can help people learn to do this because I think honestly, most people would want to do this the right way. They just haven't particularly thought about it. Yeah. You say a lot of people come out of the execution kind of worker B side of it and they're never taught how to lead. And certainly this right. concept is one of those concepts. What are some of the other ones? Uh, what are you specifically asking me, Audrey? Well, beyond being an honest broker, what are some of the other leadership um, concepts that you train people up who are trying to improve their leadership um, capabilities? Well, and especially with, I'll say with managers, this is true at every level though. Um, but the thing that I see happen most office, often with managers who've been workers and now they're managing, they don't realize a couple of things. They don't realize that it's also their responsibility to not just drive the work, but to develop their people. Mm -hmm. And that's a skill that has to be learned and taught and learned and practiced. And they also, they, in addition, don't realize that it's their job to continually improve the managed group as a group. The other thing I've seen happen with managers in particular is that because they don't know anything about developing people is that anytime they have a problem, they tend to resort to whatever the company policy is about write-ups. Instead of trying to have a serious conversation, help the person resolve it, get better, learn to grow, maybe it was just a mistake, they resort to discipline mm -hmm. right away. And Many, many problems can be solved by developing the person, 
not disciplining the person. But we fail in most organizations to teach leaders that. And even as people move up the ladder to director, to vice president, they, they may not know how to do it. Those skills have to be taught. Of all the people that, that come through your doors, business of people, what do you, what's a, a one or two common threads that you see in leaders that are struggling, that, that, that they come to you, they want to get better, people like me, for example, and, uh, you know, they really have a, you know, they really feel like they have a need to do it, but they just don't know how to do it. But, you know, what, what personality traits or, you know, what things do you typically see that them doing that, you know, where they're getting in their own way? Well, generally, that's a hard question to answer generally because mm -hmm. there can be a variety of presenting issues but it kind of goes with our name almost every presenting issue that comes through our door has to do with what I call the messy business of people so they may be really great at driving the substance of the company uh, the technical sides of the company but they're often baffled by the people issues so the soft skills part of it. The soft skills, absolutely. Whether that's how to have daily conversations, how to lean in and successfully resolve conflict, how to really stay truly in connection with people day to day in, in conversations, how any number, how, as I said, how to develop people. I don't know if I were to ask you, Lee, are you confronted more by the substantive challenges of your business or the people issues? What oh, would you say? That's easy. It's the people issues, <laughs> hands down. It's like the you know, yes. substantive part. I was like, I've got that. I mean, it's like, yes. yeah, but the people part, because everybody's different. And, uh, you know, and everybody has their own little idiosyncrasies. And then you have people that are different from day to day, the same people. Absolutely. And, and it's like, and so as you say, it's <laughs> like the true. business, you know, it's like your, your company is the business of people and the business of people is messy. So it is. It is. And so there are, there are skills to learn about how to truly remain in connection with people because everything happens in business on two levels. The level of content, the work, the work itself, um, and then the, the, the what, what I call the what, and then there's how we do what we do. And all of our work is in teaching the folks how. Mm -hmm. How to do it so that people can stay open, can really get things done together. As you know, a, a workplace is a challenging environment. We have to have difficult conversations. We have to do hard things. Yes, we have things we can celebrate, but it's just constant interaction. And we don't teach people much about how to do that and how to do it successfully. Yeah, I think that conflict part that you just mentioned is something that they see quite frequently. I see some people want to try to shy away from conflict and avoid uh -huh. it. And I see other people want to charge right at it or whatever, like a bull in a china shop and, you know, and, and don't bring the proper level of warmth and support. That was me a few years ago. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think when it comes to personality conflicts and people conflicts, uh, that's, you know, yeah, I think you could err on both sides of that one. Yes, you can. And we generally try to resolve conflict by, if I'm in conflict with you, I try to resolve it by proving to you that I'm right. Mm -hmm. And resolving conflict isn't really about each person pointing the finger at the other. If you're truly going to resolve it, I need to look at myself first and what I could have done differently. 
and make some effort to appreciate where the other person is coming from. Mm -hmm. Um, It's never really about the facts. Uh, Usually if there's conflict, there's some level of emotion, I would say, in the conflict. And if we can just acknowledge the feelings of the other, look at what we could have done differently, then then each person will start to look at, well, wait a minute, I could have, you know, I jumped in and said something too harsh. I shouldn't have done that. I just was really felt strongly about that point, but next time I'll tone it down. Then the other person will start to look at themselves. So you're right. We either, although I think it's more the former, I think we avoid resolving conflict more than we charge in. And that leads yeah. to sideways conversations, which is even more damaging because we Absolutely. don't have the guts to say it to people face to face. And now with the internet and texting and everything like that, you know, it's another way that we can you know, have, you know, be indirect with our conversation rather than direct. And uh, right. you know, I, one of the things I've learned is, is like, you know, sometimes you stop texting, stop emailing or whatever, just, just go down to the person's office, go face to face or pull them up on a video chat or something like that. So at least that way you can read their facial expressions and, and how they're taking the information. They can see how you're meaning the information. They can hear the voice inflection. And, uh, you know, it just the, the communication is so much better that way when, when you're dealing with a messy people issue than to try to do it by text. That's one of the things I've, I've learned starting, starting with you guys. But then, you know, I've had others teach, you know, kind of reinforce that message over the years as well. Amen. And I do think the emotion enters into it because it, the one thing that popped in my head, Jan, as you were talking was um, I've heard that phrase, would you rather be um, right or would you rather be happy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. You know, if you want to sure. die on that hill and be mad at this person in perpetuity, yeah. you go right ahead and <laughs> have fun with that, you know? But to Lee's point too, sideways conversations have become epidemic mm-hmm. with technology change because it's so much easier to hide out on text than it is, and to say anything, than that we wouldn't say or wouldn't have said in that way if we were saying it face-to-face. And of course, text and email can be completely misinterpreted because I may read into something that you didn't intend at all, but I'm bringing my own framework to to the reading of that. And and you always coach people then to to always go into it by uh, assuming positive intent. And it's like, that's extremely, I think, important when when you're reading something in text. Absolutely. Assume positive intent. If you have any concerns or questions, walk down the hall or pick up the phone or to your point. That's great advice. Do you want to, we've got a few minutes left. Do you want to talk about your individual coaching practice for those of you that want to, uh, that are listening that would like to engage with Jan? Well, thank you, Audrey. As you mentioned in my intro, I coach a whole variety of people who their commonality is they're restless for some next level of success and they're ready to tackle whatever is in the way. I'm industry agnostic. I work across all kinds of industries with people in business of all ages. I coach in the C-suite and entrepreneurs, but I also coach people who are entering their careers and kind of everything in between. And what I love to do is work with people who really want to drive their own development and who will really do the work in coaching because coaching, unlike some professions, is a partnership. Mm-hmm. And we, the coaching partner will derive much 
more from it if they're willing to put in the time and effort and do the work. And so I'm really happy to coach with anyone who's willing to do that. Well, that sounds terrific. Everybody reach out to Jan through businessofpeople.net. Jan, it's such a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your great advice and tips today. Thank you. And it's a pleasure to be with you. And, um, you know, Sales Fuel is a company I really admire the work that you do and keep on. Well, well thank you. And you, you and, and, and uh, everyone there has been so incredibly helpful to us and continues to be helpful to us and helping us grow and achieve more and, uh, you know, handle the squishier side of the business <laughs> and uh, try, try to excel in that. As I said, you're a hell of a teacher uh, and, and, and a great friend. And we're so pleased to have you on today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.